I was mature enough to recognize my contribution to the problem, and for her bad points there'd been good as well. But I should have noticed there was never any love or need in her voice. And there's a lot to be said for both. Chloe's voice had need in it, though. Hidden somewhere beneath that soft, melodic tone, I swore I could hear it, the same way you could sometimes hear those AM radio stations a thousand miles away. The lightest, faintest strains of music playing in a sea of static. And even though it was distant and weak, you'd still listen for a moment, drawn in by the haunting feeling that it was out there all alone. I leaned over and turned my radio on, searching for one of those stations, desperate to hear that sound. After fiddling with the knob, I found one skipping all the way from Tallahassee. It was playing Tiny Dancer, but the song was halfway done, and it faded completely near the end, leaving me longing for more. My eyes turned towards the chair sitting vacant in the corner, and then they scanned the emptiness of my room. I finally turned the TV on just to have some noise, anything to keep from feeling like it was me floating alone in that void. We took some time off from reading the next day, as sweltering hot as it was. The air conditioner in my parents' room wasn't quite strong enough to reach mine, an archaic discomfort I'd forgotten about while living in my posh Atlanta home. Chloe was up and down the stairs all morning, bringing us ice drinks and frozen towels. By noontime, her hair was sticking to her face, her skin covered with a sheen of sweat, and the mascara around her eyes was smudged into a grimy, smoky mess. Not that it wasn't attractive, but I hated her getting so worn out on my account. "'Don't you want to put your hair up?' I asked, reaching out to touch a long, blonde strand as she leaned in to put a cold compress behind my neck. "'I didn't bring a scrunchie. Wish I had,' she pouted. There's a rubber band in that drawer there. My head tilted towards my nightstand. She sat down next to me on my bed and started digging through it, but it wasn't a rubber band she pulled out. It was one of those thin-point black markers. She held it up and raised an eyebrow at it before glancing back at my cast. No, I said quickly. I don't want junk all over my cast. She hung her head and frowned forlornly as she dropped back to her feet, stomach flushed to my bed, running her hand longingly across the plaster on my leg like it was begging to be a canvas. Propping her other hand against my mattress, she turned away from me and sighed. All right, fine, I growled with resignation, reaching out a single finger to poke at her pinky. You have to do it nice, though, okay? I poked at her pinky again, letting my finger linger there a moment, enjoying the softness of her skin. I slid it up over her knuckle and across the curve of her delicate hand, my other fingers joining in to graze across its surface. Chloe? I glanced up at her, suddenly aware that she'd grown silent. Huh? She responded, looking from her hand to me. You're going to do it nice, right? I asked, reluctantly withdrawing my fingers. Uh-huh, she answered, sounding like she didn't comprehend what I was saying, and then she looked back to locate the chair and dragged it from the corner.
She started working on the lower half of my cast down by my ankle. I grabbed the ice pack from my neck and toyed with it in my hands, leaning forward to watch as she carefully drew the outlines. From the angle I was at, it was hard to tell what she was making at first, but when she darkened the lines, I could make out a ship and a whale, like a scene from Moby Dick. The way she had it shaded, it took on a third dimension, capturing all the action and drama.